Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, from Walking Dead Now, and I want to welcome our very special guest tonight, Michael Trainer, who we all know and love as Nicholas on The Walking Dead. Michael, thank you for agreeing to be with us here tonight and sharing just some of your experiences. So, welcome. Thank you for having me. It was a fun little trip down memory lane. Yeah, yeah, I was looking at some of the expressions on your face as that clip was rolling, and uh, uh, it looked like some of that was kind of hard to watch. Uh, for- uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, first off, I want to say that Nicholas was one of those characters on The Walking Dead who has left a permanent mark, not only on the show, but to all of the fans who love and watch The Walking Dead. And you did a brilliant job of bringing that character to life. And I just want to say thank you for an amazing job that you did. Uh, uh, was, the pleasure was all mine. The credit really goes to the writing staff led by Scott Gimple and Angela. And uh, I just got every script would come in and I would just not uh, not screw up. That was my only job. Just don't screw up, except for the ways that I was scripted to screw up. Yeah. So uh, it was a real treat. You did fantastic. Now, in our opinion, Nicholas had one of the most complicated arcs on The Walking Dead. So let's start from the beginning. How did you land the role of Nicholas? Uh, I had been auditioning, I think, for maybe a season or two for some other various roles. And then... Uh, the good old-fashioned way I got the uh, audition with what they call dummy sides, which are fake sides that sort of speak to the emotional uh-huh. elements of the character, not exact uh, plot points. And then, uh, you know, I just didn't fuck up on the audition and and, uh, and got the gig. I think uh, I had later heard that Scott Gimple was a, a fan of a different show I had done uh, for AMC called uh, Rectify, yes. which is a beautiful piece of television. Yes. And... Um, that that also helped. And then uh, I really had no idea what the role was, how long it would be, whether it was for uh, a day or the next 10 years. I just was a fan of the show and said yes. Uh, And you lasted through two seasons, which on The Walking Dead, I said there are a lot of my guests who have been on for more than one season, is no small feat (laughs) (laughs) to last that long on The Walking Dead. Now, when you found out that you were awarded the role of Nicholas, uh, did you know? 
Was there anyone on the show that you were particularly looking forward to working with at the moment? Like when you first found out that you got the gig? Again, uh, I was really just jazzed to be a part of the show. Uh, the funny thing was my first day, I flew out, like I got the, found out like on a Friday, flew out on a Monday, and then was there shooting maybe like on a Tuesday. Wow. And uh, the first thing I shot was letting the whole ragtag bunch of Rick and his friends uh, into Alexandria. So that was my first thing. It was like, yeah, there is pull, you know, and I, I, you read in the script, you're like, oh, there's going to be these, you know, 30-foot walls. I'm thinking that's going to be CG. They're not going to have 30-foot walls. It's not going to be an actual town with this wall built around it. Then I get there and, like, you know, some schmuck looking at the Taj Mahal, I'm just awestruck staring at this set realizing oh this is for real man yeah and then the first thing they're like you know wander up there and pull the gate and in comes andy and the crew and cutlet you know cutlets and everybody and uh it was a it was a great way to start the day that sounds fantastic uh yep. we, we have heard many times that people are just amazed at the set and the details yeah. that goes into building those stats, sets. Now, many characters have come on the show, uh, and also, you know, we can easily say that Nicholas was not the biggest fan favorite, um, you know, when oh. it comes to characters on The Walking Dead. Now, uh, the episode, Thank You, which is one of season six best episodes, primarily because of you and your performance, do you feel that Nicholas was redeemed and dies a hero to save Glenn? Or did he lose any hope he might have had uh, left and took the coward's way out? Um, uh, I, I vacillated back and forth. I think the, 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 the real, it's a bit of a bit of, bit of a both answer uh, in that, in that moment up there, I think you had two characters and one symbolized hope and one symbolized despair. Um, and uh, it was that sense of despair that drove a lot of, I think, his less than admirable actions throughout the storyline. I think there, I, I don't, I don't pretend that there was some grand plan of he's like, I'll shoot myself, I'll fall on top of you while they're nibbling me, you slide underneath the dumpster. But I, I do think there was a moment where the character Nicholas recognized that Glenn would not give up, that any solution Glenn tried to figure out would involve both of them surviving. And I think that there was a moment of peace for Nicholas after these years of the onslaught of the apocalypse, where he was constantly making decisions out of fear, constantly making decisions out of a sense of having to, out of keeping the the lie afloat that he was capable, that he was a competent warrior. I think there was a moment on that dumpster where he saw a way that he could finally make a choice for himself, yeah. which I think there's a certain bit of nobility in that. And in making that choice for him living his life the way he wanted to, he also afforded Glenn a chance to figure out the puzzle of survival without the added weight of Nicholas. That's a perfect explanation. It also leads me to a question I have, which uh, I've been thinking about since I first saw that episode. And why does Nicholas say thank you to Glenn just before he shoots himself? And you just sort of kind of answered that in a way that it was your, in, in Nicholas's mind, it was his way 
of giving Glenn a chance to survive without Nicholas being the added weight. Uh, did you see it that way when you read the script and when you performed it? You know, it's funny. There was this, uh, again, just to speak to the way, you know, Gimple ran the show, Scott Gimple ran the show. There was this whole uh, bit storyline that got cut out about Glenn starting to really teach. Like, you know, we were joking. He was the Batman to my fucked up Robin. Um, that they were starting to teach me about, you know, make sure you always have a have a count of how many how many bullets you have. Keep a running count. Things to focus on when you're in the field. And so there, it was a scene that got cut out. But I had said to Gimple, I said, "Hey, what if the last thing he says to Glenn is he?" I, I sent him an email. He turns around and he says six, like there was an or nine, like there was another bullet in the chamber. He remembered it, and then boom, Gimple was wonderful and very, you know. Uh, we shot back and forth an email or two. He heard a suggestion. And then he's like, you know, we really feel as though we want to do the thank you. And I was like, okay, great. I'll figure out why. And then on the day, which is the turn, like when we were shooting that, that scene, it started to come to me like, of course, thank you. Because of just what I said, like this idea mm -hmm. of like, you know, you wake up one morning, you're middle management, you're driving to work. Next thing you know, there's a zombie apocalypse. And then after that point, your whole life is shit. Your whole life is being decided for you or you're having to have this facade of ability and capability to survive and to seem useful to whatever community you stumble into. And there was just this moment of him being truthful with himself that... You're right. I am not of this world. I am not for this world. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take my life into my own hands and for a second have a sense of agency. And I think that was the thank you. That's awesome. You know? I mean, that, that's perfect. And in a way, in the way that I've always uh, thought about Nicholas, uh, for me, it is sort of like a redeeming quality and a redeeming act that he does in his final moments right there. Uh, so let's go His to the most redeeming. The most redeeming quality is that Nicholas is just fucking delicious. So <laughs> much that he's distracting to a whole horde of, of uh, walkers. Uh, I can't argue with you there. All those stolen supplies paid off. Yeah, yeah. Now, in regards to that death scene on top of the dumpster, after you yeah. take your own life and both of you guys fall on the ground and you were surrounded by those walkers, were those real extras or were they added later on as CGI? Uh, the ones that were directly around us were all real actors who had been, you know, done up in hours and hours of makeup. They have, uh, they would call them hero walkers. Hero yes. meaning they're gonna be closest to the camera. So we had layers of, uh, it's been a while, I don't remember the numbers, but uh, I'd say, you know, 20 if not more hero walkers and beyond that like another 50 or 60 actors and then beyond that even like another layer of actors i think we had over 100 i could be wrong um and then they cg'd it, it could even be more than that because yeah. uh, i was even pretty shocked when they added all the whole cg and they were telling us like look beyond the horizon we're gonna have walkers to the horizon to um really have this sense of claustrophobia around you but uh, no, and Greg Nicotero was one of the ones that were right at our feet. Um, and he was the one, the first one to like tear open my fake belly and start handing out the Vienna sausage of my intestines to the other actors around us. Greg really loves to put on that makeup, doesn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. I think there's a shot of him actually in full makeup gear, like all done up looking his finest. 
uh, holding a camera because he realized there was such a good angle for where he was positioned in front of the dumpster, Yeah, you know, clawing at us. Um, it remains the best concert I've ever put on. <laughs> oh, man, that, that just sounds perfect. Now, what were your thoughts when you read the script on how they were going to fake us out and lead us to believe that it was Glenn uh, being the one that was eaten. Uh, I'm sure you, you, when you read the script, you knew that there was a big fake out coming for the audience. Did you yeah. like that? I mean, did you like, like, damn, that's really freaking cool. I kind of did like it because I, I, as you had said, I, I had the good fortune of lasting through a, a whole hiatus, and so that means I had um, months and months and months of people. Uh, you know, uh, rolling down their window and saying, man, we fucking hate you. Good job. <laughs> uh, and so I thought I'd be a real kick in the ass to go out like that. Um, and uh, I read it and I remember I was here in my apartment and I, I put the script down and I said, oof, they're going to really fucking hate me. This is going to be fantastic. <laughs> and um uh, you know, again, you get this script, and I had I had been a fan of the show, uh, and so the joy changes from watching it on Sunday night to reading it whenever you got the script, and it was one of those moments of just just utter delight, you yeah. know, yeah, utter delight, and, and, I, and again the uh, the onus of, of don't 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 mess it up, okay. do a good job, do your homework, come to the set ready to play. And I've always said, uh, said, you know, to various guests we've had on here, if you see like the fan, if you're playing an antagonist or a villain or a bad guy in any kind of way, Nicholas was not really a bad guy. But anyway, uh, if you get a lot of negative fan reaction and the people hate you, it's because you did a brilliant job at playing your role. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a thin line between love and hate. Yeah, yeah. Now, how much advance notice did you get that your character was going to go out the way he did? Um, I think like about a month or two before shooting started. I got the call that uh, uh, all they said is, you know, we're going to give you a few. We're going to give you, you know, reintroduce you, give you one episode to make the fans love you and then make them hate you forever. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, Sounds good. did you have any hopes once uh, season five ended and your character was still alive going into that hiatus that Nicholas's character might actually last a little bit longer than you did? Uh, sure. Anybody who tells you differently is lying just because of our gypsy lifestyle of actors. You know, to get a gig that's uh, even a gig you dislike is a good thing and it's a blessing you should be grateful for but to get a gig on a show that you dig that you get to come to work and play with great people you hope um the only consolation was that the 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 end of nicholas was you could see the roots of it in the introduction of Ricola, nicholas you know mm -hmm. uh there, there was sort of a poetry to it that i really appreciated and um again they were very generous with the Nicholas storyline, I think, because it showed a side of Glenn and it gave Steven a chance to really define himself as a hero yeah. and as a leader. Um, and so it was great to play off of him, be a part of that storyline and helping that and tell that story. Uh, 
so yeah, listen, it sucks to get fired from anything. Uh, not fired, but it sucks to, you know, lose a gig, but it's great when you get to go out with like all that fanfare and that bloody parade that I got to leave with. Exactly. Now you came on to the show, like in the middle of its peak. Okay. It was averaging between 30 to 40 million viewers per week. Uh, did that, you know, before you got onto the set to shoot your first scene and you knew you were coming onto a show that averages 30 to 40 million viewers per week, which is, uh, it's beyond comprehension. Did that psych you out? Did you psych yourself out in any way? I mean, luckily they don't have 30 or 40 million people just sitting around watching. <laughs> so you can kind of detach from that. Uh, it's certainly, you know, you show up, like I say, you show up ready to work having done your homework you certainly know your fucking lines exactly. um uh there was a responsibility also we were introducing a bunch of new characters and uh, at the first episode or two no really nobody really knew who the new bad guys were yeah they're being quite secretive to about storylines yeah but i think that, that sort of brilliantly added to the sense of unease and the sense of suspicion that we all were able to play with uh, when the cameras are rolling. Um, yeah, but you're aware of the enormity. You're aware that this is an opportunity for you to really, uh, acting, there's a craft to it. There's a certain artfulness, I think, if you appreciate it and you work at it. And this was an opportunity, this was like a palette to really, you know, paint with your craft and do your thing. And it was a wonderful opportunity to do that. And you're aware that, you know, listen, no one wants to be the one who broke The Walking Dead. No, 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 no. You no. know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and uh, certainly you don't want to be the one who shits the bed and, and they can't use the storyline or they can't do what they wanted to for the fans. Because you're not just disappointing yourself and the aims of your career, but you're disappointing all the folks that who, like yourself, if you're a fan of the show, care about what's happening next. Thanks. So, I don't know, it's old-fashioned, but yeah, I certainly felt the responsibility. Oh, you are fantastic. Now, you and Stephen Yen had... Uh, an incredible chemistry uh, on the air together uh, in your scenes. How much rehearsing went into that dumpster scene before you actually, before the cameras actually started rolling between you and Steven? You know, we kind of established early on, because uh, again, I think it was important for Steven as well. So he was coming to set loaded. Um, and then that's just, you know, I, I was still felt myself a guest, so you don't want to get too comfortable. So I was coming to set loaded part of the, when I was watching the clips, that's sometimes that's even still like a lot of, a lot more than I've seen of the show, uh, of my storylines on the show. Um, uh, I just didn't really watch a lot of my stuff, but I was laughing because so often we'd get there. And you do a thing called blocking, mm -hmm. um, uh, where you just kind of you you go through the lines. The director helps give you a sh shaping the scene of where he wants things to happen. You have a bit of a conversation around it. The cameras get aware of what's happening and how to shoot it. And sometimes you'll do that a few times to get a sense of the rhythm and what's happening, what's what's kind of what's percolating. Uh -huh. But like I said, Stephen was always ready to rock, and uh, I tried to meet him where he showed up, and. Uh, uh, there is very little rehearsal for our stuff. And I, I think that's kind of the way it goes for a lot of it because they want to sense that whatever you have, whatever nerves you have to f be able to capture it on camera right away. And uh, you had Mikey Satrazimus, Michael Satrazimus on here a while ago. Mm -hmm. And um, 
he directed, I think, the episode just after the uh, Noah, where Glenn killed Noah by letting go. Um, uh, uh, but uh, so, um, Statrazimus, we were shooting something the next morning or a day or so after that, and uh, Stephen confronts me and one th- and he we ran through it once, and Mikey was like, "No, this is it. This is good. This is cooking." Let's just let's just go with it. Let's start shooting right now. And they rushed the cameras, and it was great. And that kind of set the precedent for it. So that yeah. first day on the dumpster, outside of the technical aspects of it, yeah, we just went. You know, we would sort of walk through it. Stephen and I um, would kind of keep that distance and keep that energy, even when the cameras weren't rolling. So there was no affinity we had to like you know, or or uh, he's lovely, professional, good guy, but. There wasn't a lot of palling around because we wouldn't want that to bleed over in front of the camera as well. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, you know, they'd yell action and we just go for it. Just ramp it up to ten. Yeah. Sometimes eleven. Once twelve. And you brought up Satrazimus and uh, me and him keep in touch and I let him know that you were gonna be a guest and the first words out of his mouth is is Michael is a fabulous actor oh that's good uh, so right. you know you know coming from satrazimus that's a that's that's a damn good compliment so and if it showed yeah. it showed now um and like, to his credit he's a great director i mean he comes from camera and sometimes folks who come from camera can be more worried about the shot or have a have a, a focus on the aesthetics of the composition um, but he knows all that so well. He just focuses on the events that are happening within the frame, like to where you can really get great story. And when he does come in and direct things, it's just these little these little drops that like reorient the whole shape of the scene. He has a just a, a real beautiful command of his craft, man. Well, yeah. So that, that affection, that that respect is 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 very much mutual. Awesome, awesome. Now, uh, Stephen and you, like I said. The majority of your scenes were between Nicholas and Glenn, you and Steven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had an incredible chemistry uh, on the screen. Did you guys become close off screen as well? Did you become friends? Did you spend I mean, we dated time for together? a while, but it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I mean, you know, we, we were... We're all so spread out when we're done filming, and they had been at it for such a long time you know, and having people kind of come, have their arcs and leave. I think the real testament to what we did for in service of, you know, he comes from a comedy background. I like to spin a joke myself. There's a lot of a, a pull to have this, this, this pal round ship. Yeah. But I think we recognize that this story was important and kept the focus there. You know, do you, do you, when you came on, did you feel like the cast members that were there for a while, Stephen was there from the beginning? Are they uh, very welcoming to the new actors that come on set, make you feel like a part of the family? Uh, is that how you were made to feel when you came on the set? Yeah, there's a, they, they keep um, uh, they, all the actors together and uh, on these the actor chairs and, um, before we started shooting, as things were kind of gathering together, Andrew Lincoln came up and shook everybody's hand who was new there and had this genuine moment of connection and welcome. And uh, 
he really set a beautiful tone and everyone else, you know, even though it was hot and they were all exhausted and had been shooting for many months now, they also had this sense of welcome, you know, no one knew if so-and-so, you know, is going to be here for the next three years or two episodes or do they die the next episode, things of that sort. So there's, you know, there's, there's this real sense of like, hi, who are you? Let's kind of connect and be human beings first. And exactly now cameras roll, we grab our guns and we're, we're friends, we're friends. If we're enemies, we're enemies. But yeah, there's a real sense of welcome. And I think it, 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 it generated from the top, uh, with Andrew Lincoln being, uh, uh, a genuine prince of a dude, you know? That's great. And we've heard that over and over again in regards to Andy. Now, let's take us to that fight scene in the woods where you set up, Nicholas set up to go and kill Glenn. Uh, yeah. And that big fight that breaks out, was that you guys actually uh, acting out that scene or did they use stunt doubles? Well, it was great. They had stunt doubles there. And... Uh, then you know Stephen and I were we came we did the blocking once and I, I think they they showed us the blocking the, the the choreography of the fight and they said you know do you guys mind giving it a go just for one or two of those camera angles are really up close they can cut mm -hmm. to it and all that stuff and uh, we did it and they dug it and we dug doing it and then we just kept take after take doing these fights and they were able to get it done a little bit faster and. Uh, Stunt guys were very appreciative, and they sat in their chairs and said thank you very much. And then the next day, they gave us uh, some uh, a little gift bag of what they call stuntman candy, which is just uh, a big old bo a bottle of Advil. Oh man, never so, I never knew it. that. We needed it, yeah. So that those stunts, um, <clears throat> you know, Stephen and I did. Not that it was super stunt heavy, but all the fights and and uh, the falls and the spills and the. Uh, uh we all did we did all those things ourselves like idiots i think there was once they came and i was climbing up the wall of alexandria to like escape and go follow or or lure steven away and uh they saw me getting ready to go climb up there they're like no 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 no, no. this is we gotta stop him like pull 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 michael back we gotta get the stuntman for that one you know <laughs> i guess i had a height limit to what kind of uh tomfoolery i can fuck around on <laughs> All right, now let's move over to the scene that has imprinted Nicholas on everyone's mind and what is, in my opinion, the most brutal death uh, on The Walking Dead to date, and that is Noah, okay? Yeah. That yeah. famous revolving door scene where there's no other way to put it, uh, Nicholas' actions get Noah killed. Uh, uh, I... I, I, oh, oh, I dare to argue. I dare to argue, sir. I think oh, I, I'd love to hear your kind of argument. And I, when, you know, let's hear ahead. it. Let's hear it. I want to hear well, it. Like, we just saw in the clip when the, uh, when the young dashing hero, Nicholas, escapes the horrible revolving door to go uh, run back and get help. Glenn, holding on to his compatriot, Glenn let go. <laughs> When when Nicholas when Nicholas leaves, Glenn, you know Noah's alive. He's screaming, "Don't let go! Don't let go!" And what does Glenn do? He lets go. I mean, you know, if I knew that was gonna be the case, I would have stayed, held on to Noah, and let Glenn run back. But no, I no. I, I, I can see your point. Uh, yeah. I don't know if everybody's gonna share in that opinion, but uh, okay, 
yeah, I mean, maybe Steven could have <laughs> held on against about 100 uh, dead uh, reanimated corpses pulling on Noah's leg, but... Come on, it's like, it's like arm wrestling with vegans. It's not that hard. <laughs> Now, well, what, what was your reaction when you read that? How, what, uh, the sequence of events, Nicholas escaping through the revolving doors, uh, as you put it, Glenn not being able to hold on to Noah, and leading... Hashtag, hashtag Glenn let go. Hashtag Glenn let Glenn, go. Like... Not Nicholas's fault. Glenn let no. go. Nicholas was going for reinforcements. Now, Absolutely. I mean, what was your reaction when you read that? Um, we had Jen Lynch was the director for that episode. Uh, she's phenomenal. Great energy. This dreadlocked kind of enthusiastic, like, let's do it. What's happening? Let's make a story. And she, I think, was enjoying to kind of play in that big old playground. So, um, you know, there have been a few days of shooting where you're like running around in the warehouse and it's all tense and all that stuff. But then once you're in that revolving door, uh, I was excited. So to answer your real question, I was just jazzed. It was so exciting and also that much more exciting to know that the director was so thrilled to kind of play and, and make this spectacular. Like w she knew she got this death that was just just f delicious, man. Yeah. You know, that's a good death. This, the gag was phenomenal. Um, and so, uh, shooting, it was a blast. And then having that be the introduction and setting up this rivalry with, uh, with, uh, Glenn and Nicholas, I thought for sure, like sometimes when they book you, they're like, Oh, we're booking you for five episodes, uh -huh. but that doesn't mean that they're going to keep you for five episodes. That means they could kill you in three or whatever the deal was. Yeah. And I was like, Oh man, I think they only booked me for three. I was like, Oh man, they're probably not even going to pay me for another one. I'm probably just going to die. Like. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. And you ended up being lived. on eight. Yeah. 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 I mean that. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, hash, I'm sorry. I can't get over a hashtag. Glenn, let go. That's hysterical. Sometimes <laughs> the truth is shocking. I feel as though you know we've all had a really rough 2020. I hate to bring it up now. <laughs> now Nicholas uh, was easily one of the most my term distressed characters for yeah. a lack of a better term now when the cameras stopped rolling did you have any difficulty putting the character aside and returning back to michael till it came time again to go back and shoot uh did you have any special methods that you used to get out of the nicholas frame of mind until it was your next scene again and go back to being michael I mean, there's a phrase in acting that I, I really love that I heard is like, you know, you pack your own bags. You know, directors can help you, coaches can help you, but at the end of the day, you kind of pack your own bags. You you come loaded with what you what you spend time connecting to the story and the script. And so it was more because he is such a tortured and has so many of these moments of of, of just failure and um, the pain of the history I charted and little tidbits that Scott and the gang gave me about his background. It wasn't hard to separate because he was such a, a broken, scared animal, you know? Yeah. And so um, as long as I spent it between action and cut, 
it didn't linger around too much, okay. you know. Okay. Well, that... The last that last day, it wasn't my actual last day of filming, but that um the uh, the dumpster episode was hard. It was hard that day, and there was a lot of emotion kind of bleeding out. But that also could have just been because it, I knew I was losing a job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. We have a viewer question here from Brian H.M. on YouTube. Brian asks, did you know Nicholas had a son in the comic books that disappeared in the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a kid who they cast as like Mikey, and we never saw Mikey again. So, yeah, I have no idea. I still wonder if that wasn't, you know... Sometimes in TV, things change, plans yeah. change. So maybe uh, they had introduced it just in case, and then... They scrapped it. They scrapped it, yeah. Okay, all right. Now, uh, when your time on the show did come to an end, did they throw you one of those infamous uh, death dinners, or was that not a thing yet? No, that was a thing. Yeah, we had more of a we had a we had a death meal. That was uh, some of us all gathered. I think the Sunday before, like my death week, where I was filming it all up. We had a nice little uh, a little meal, and it was very sweet and very kind. And and there was it was strange when I came on because there was a whole new bunch of actors from Alexandria as well. Yeah, and we were all based in this weird little hotel. Um, uh, a couple of miles from where the main filming happened. So we had our own little group of people like Ross, Mark Wand, and Alexander Breckenridge, Daniel Bonjour when he was there, Jordan Woods Robinson, you know, uh, Austin Nichols. There's a bunch of us who kind of all got to see each other more often just because we were passing each other in the halls of the little hotel. Um, and so they were there. It was a lovely mix of folks who had been on the show for, for uh, since the dawn of time yeah. and this new bunch. Um, but it was really lovely. It's something, you know, I've been a, a character who's been killed off or killed himself on quite a few different shows. And uh, there's that that sense of family, that sense of we're all building something and doing something together that's kind of special and unique. Yeah. Um, is, is a rare uh, a rare culture to find yourself. Um, Be a part of. Uh, into. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, before we move away from The Walking Dead, I got to ask this question because you did have several epic scenes on the show. For you, which uh, scene was your favorite to shoot? I mean, could it be the revolving door, the dumpster, the fight in the woods, or is it something that is not any of those three? No, uh, I think honestly it's the revolving door because it was the first time... It was this great synergy with working with uh, 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 Jennifer Lynch, where it's the first time she had directed on the show, and it was the first time that like my character came out from sort of the background of the uh, Aiden character of Daniel Bonjour, mm -hmm. and you realize, oh, the uh, the tall, dopey lieutenant's going to be the bad guy, you know? And yeah. I got to kind of emerge from the shadows and have a moment, and uh, yeah, the whole sequence, including the fight with McDermott back by the van. Uh, we're Glenn, that was all like, yeah. Yeah, like when Glenn pulls me out and tags me and all that good stuff. That was, that was to get back to one of your first questions about like, you know, you're on this show with ridiculous amount of eyes watching it. That was the first real test where I was like, oh, can I carry this storyline a little bit? Can I be enough of a bastard to make people want, you know, want to come back after the commercial break? Yeah. And it felt like that that was... 
that I had passed that first test. And so that was very satisfying. Awesome. So it'll always hold a special, uh, a special little spot, you know, and when you're really dastardly and despicable and, and a part of something and you watching, uh, Glenn just fucking fall apart when Noah's character goes, you know, into the smorgasbord, um, all of that was just real beautiful. Just real beautiful to be a part of. I mean, do you agree with me that Noah had probably one of the worst deaths on that show? Oh, yeah. It's pretty darn gruesome. I mean, it is. It is pretty, pretty... Uh, I was really surprised watching that live on how much they allowed to be shown on cable, even though it was cable TV, on how much AMC just allowed to be shown. It was it was yeah. really gruesome. Now, let's, yeah. let's move away from The Walking Dead for a little bit. Uh, you did a TV show, like you mentioned, called Rectify, where you again portrayed a character uh, that was in distress. Um, now, does it bother your psyche after shooting scenes like that where you do kill yourself? Uh, does it bother you at all, personally? Or you're a veteran now, you are a veteran. Uh, you know how to just put that aside at the end of the day and say it was only a job? Uh, well, you know, you keep getting uh, cast in those kind of roles and you start looking at yourself going, is there something that others see that I don't see? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I seem pretty happy. Um, yeah, you know, it's all, it's all the same game in that you got to figure out why somebody does something and using your imagination as to what's haunting them or what's uh, exciting them. It's, it's the same game. We only have the instrument that we have. We have the faculty of our imagination. We have the, the muscle of our empathy to understand. We have our hopefully our admiration for the scripts that we're doing and the project and those we're working with. And all that kind of fuels you into the game of it all. And it is just a game of make-believe. For me, I'm not somebody who carries it home with me. Even when I would do plays that were very uh, – a huge departure from who I am, I've always just kind of felt like, you know, you you figure out how to play the, play the song, play the game. You let it live through your body, and then it's done. The only thing that sucks is when you don't do something, when you have an idea or an instinct that you don't follow through. Yeah. And that kind of gets clogged up somewhere and lingers. And that's not so much the emotional baggage of the character. That's just like, ah, oh, you fucking let yourself down by not having the tenacity, no matter what is happening. If we're running late, you have a director who's an asshole or you have the cameras aren't thing. To not have just this moment of like saying, like, hey, I've fought. I've gone on countless auditions and didn't get them. I've spent years so that I can kind of hopefully train myself to be sensitive to this moment. When you don't exercise that and you let that stay in you, that's the lingering sense of like personal defeat, not the character's defeat. Gotcha. So I got a little bit weird there and I'm sorry, but no, no, I totally it, understand. It doesn't, you, you know, you, whether you play someone happy and who's like, you know, fucking everybody, you don't go home and like suddenly, like, Oh, I'm super jazzed and horny. Or if you're playing somebody who's sad, it's, it's also, the sadness doesn't linger. It's just, did you do your job for yeah. me? And yeah. if I did my job, then it doesn't haunt me. I mean, for what it sounds like to me, what you're saying is like, if you were talking to an aspiring actor, it's something you would tell them is don't be afraid to take the risk and Absolutely. try to the, do something. Last, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't be afraid to take the risk and step outside of your comfort zone 
because sometimes the reward is worth the risk. Yeah, and there's a lot of metaphors in that that work within sports. Like you know, it's okay to lose or to whatever, but like you know, you you have to play to the fullness of your to the fullest of uh, uh, to the with the fullness of your abilities. Yeah, you know, and it's those moments, regardless of whatever story I'm telling. Like I've had like one line walk-ons where I was like, "Hello, here's your soup," but I was like, "Ah, I fucked it. I just what am I doing? What is, that will haunt you more." Mm-hmm than a moment of really going out and playing something that's dark and living in some place that you would never want to live in in your normal life. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess the content of the story doesn't doesn't bother me. It's the relationship to did I do my job or not. That's awesome. Now, you started your career as a dancer and then yeah. you dipped your feet into a few acting roles. So what made you decide on making acting as your career path? And do you still keep up with dancing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the old joke is that I kept talking during the ballet and they said, Michael, you're ruining the ballet. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I started dancing. I was I, I had just done some stuff back home in Hawaii and this uh, lovely family said, you should you should be a dancer. And I said, sounds good. Um, as far as the transition goes, I think I just wanted a fuller, different kind of expression. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had started dancing late and uh, worked hard and got good and all that jazz. But I think there were limits to what my career could be as a dancer. And um, there were also opportunities uh, happening with acting that were exciting to me. You know, it was a new puzzle. Yeah. So... Now, um, do you feel? Do I keep dancing? Yeah, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that the experience that you gained uh, while being a dancer helped you land some of the roles that you got? Um, like no. for example, that choreography fight scene, okay, between you and Glenn in the woods. That's choreography. I know it's a different kind of dance, a different kind of choreography, but. Did you dig back to any of their dancing days and when it came time to choreograph that when you, or when you were getting uh, instructions on how the fight is supposed to be choreographed, did you look back on any of your prior experience and bring that to the set that day when you were doing that scene with uh, Steven? Uh, I think I always start from like a body sense. Yeah, I always start with what does it feel like? How does it do? How to do? And uh, there's a muscle memory that um, I still have. And actually, like a lot of fight choreographers will tell you that they'd rather work with a dancer yeah. um, than somebody who does martial arts because there's a sense of the precision of dance as opposed to um, you know you, you with martial arts you learn how to break somebody with dance you learn. <laughs> You know, look good and just pretend to break somebody. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, there's a little bit of that in in there. I think the uh, the dance, what it did do for me as far as acting is, um, you know, dancing is a hard profession. You put in the work, and if you don't, it shows. And I think that uh, in the best parts of my acting, I, I um, that has translated as well. That philosophy of of putting in the time. I mean, listen, I'm not always, I fuck off sometimes too, but when I don't, I, I recognize that it's the dance training that's come through in acting, that willingness for repetition and to do it again and again and again and to work hard at something. That, that's great. Now, 
Let's move over to your writing credentials. And uh, you have done quite a bit of writing. Uh, you have done, like, for example, the video game dialogues in Shrek 2, Area 51, as well as the comedy TV series uh, Underwater. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, is writing a career, a part of your career path that, you know, maybe when the acting subsides or even while you're acting, that you seriously want to pursue? Or is it more sort of a side thing for you? No, I mean, I think you have whatever skill sets you have. And if you're in this industry, if you're lucky enough to be in this industry long enough, you realize you have to utilize all of them. Um, You know, it's all in in service of storytelling and Mm -hmm. it's also in service of paying the rent. (laughs) So, uh, you know, (laughs) the uh, video games were a long time ago. I was uh, drunk in a bar doing limericks, and this guy's like, hey, do you write? And I said, hell no. And uh, he's like, are you open to rewriting? I go, I got opinions. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, the next day I went in and did like an audition in a writer's room. They had like 20 of us in a room. People were pitching jokes and doing this and that, and I got lucky. And then next thing you know, I was like talking to Marilyn Manson, um, sort of uh, helping to figure out what he wanted for his alien character for that area. Uh, 51, 51 game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, do you want more, you know, human beings are evolving from pools of shit and slime or they're the offspring of angels? And he goes, no, 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 pools of shit and slime, pools of shit and slime. I was like, got <laughs> you, man. The rest is history. Um, so, yeah, you know, listen, it's all by happenstance. I think writing is a fantastic skill set. And if you can do it, it's also hard. It's very, the competition is rough. It is. But, um, it's one of the things since The Walking Dead, I'd say, strangely, that I've been doing um, uh, more of, you know, uh, as far as doing TV and m- movie ideas. And now, you know, you may be undercutting yourself a little bit because you've won awards for Best Writer for both the ITV Festival and Independent Television and Film Festival for Underwater. Uh, are you currently working on any projects, writing projects at the moment? Yeah, yeah. I have uh, I have uh, three different uh, half-hour comedy TV shows that I'm working uh, in. People say development. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But we're going out to pitch those soon. And then uh, Underwater was a real great, just also like something born of necessity. I had a friend... Uh, you know, I had been a part of a project a year earlier that had been up for like a daytime Emmy... And uh, my my friend was a really talented director, and we said, well, what can we do? What can we do? What's happening in the world? And it was just after the housing crisis, and I was like, well, wh- can we do something funny about the pain of that housing crisis, of people being stuck in these homes? What can we do? What can we do? And we figured out this fun scenario, and we wrote it thinking that we would just submit it, and then we shared it with friends, and they're like, hey, let's, you know, let's sell this. Let's make this happen. And so – Again, born of just the idea of not some grand plan, but who's around you, who do you like, who's talented, because, you know, talent matters, um, and what can you do? And that's where Underwater came from. So it was a real scrappy and uh, uh, very fulfilling project. Awesome. Yeah. Made it. It was cool. It was cool. Uh, Going back to The Walking Dead for a second... Yeah. You, you've got to work with uh, Nicotero, Satrazimus, uh, several different directors. Uh, yeah. I keep asking this question because everybody seems to come with uh, the same answer. 
when it comes to Greg Nicotero's episodes, uh, people like we've had Lou Temple on here, uh, who's mentioned that when uh, it's Greg's turn to direct an episode, his episodes tend to be a little bit more gorier than some of the other directors. Would you agree with that? Um. Now, we all know that he's a huge horror fan. He was in the original Day of the Dead. Uh, so he's a big horror buff. Uh, you know, he also likes to play the zombies. So when it comes time for him to be behind that camera, does he add that extra gore factor to his episodes? I'll say there's this, there's this one moment we were uh, that I always remember with him. I would say yes, but I'd, I'd say more so than that. It's the idea. It's something about the gore, not just for the gore's sake. I think it helps frame what these human beings are going through, what the challenge that they have to uh, <clears throat> endure, how how real and how terrifying it is. There was something we, we were having a, a walker come after us, and Greg was directing. He goes, stop, stop, stop. And he would go, and he'd run with uh, Jake, who was – his like second command of, of uh, special effects. And they were putting like little chicken cutlets with more blood into like the, 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 the exposed rib of a Walker to kind of have it really be flapping around, you know, as he's lumbering towards us. And I remember thinking like, Oh, that makes perfect sense to make that scarier, more disgusting in the sense of like these bodies that we have decomposing and then chasing us. So yeah, I think it's more gore. There, there's a lot more gore, but I think it's also a focus on like that. That's the story he's telling, right? It's not just like some like kid is like, oh yeah, let's have some blood here. That's fucking hot. It's the idea of like, no, how much more terrifying would it be if you saw like the the skin and the intestines flipping and flopping as it's chasing after you? Exactly. It's the detail. I mean, I could be wrong. He could just fucking love more gore. And I think there's probably a little bit of that as well. Like, what's cool? I, but, I just um, think he, he really has a sense for detail, like you just mentioned. That yeah. flap. It's just a little bit of detail that just adds that little bit more of uh, scariness to the scene. I mean, as an actor, you don't feel supported. Because you go to him and go, hey, Greg, how was my performance? He says, were you on screen? I was like, yeah, I was the guy in the front. He goes... Um, yeah, well, it's okay. I'll add some more flap. It'll cover for you. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Michael. Before we let you go, uh, I want to go back to the your very first credited acting role. And this is all the way back in 2002 on one of my all-time favorite TV shows, and that's NYPD Blue. <laughs> I love NYPD Blue. I grew up, you know, in my late teens, early in my 20s, yeah. watching NYPD Blue. What kicked off uh you know, like i said you were doing dancing before but what kicked off you landing that role on nypd blue as the carjacker uh i had done i had done shakespeare in the park at the public theater mm -hmm. the summer before and i met this casting person uh marcy phillips who was lovely and they were bringing me in she works at abc and they were bringing me in for a long like multi-episode guest arc so like, like a bad guy for a few episodes. Uh -huh. And then that either got rewritten or cast out of LA because like they would shoot most of their stuff in Los Angeles, you know, yeah. NYPD Blue. And then I think at a, as, a, as like a consolation prize, they gave me this carjacker. And I was like, oh, okay. I had long hair and all that stuff. 
but it was always so funny. Uh, my family would make fun of me that my screen time was so brief, like basically running up to the car and saying, get out of the fucking car, get out of the yeah. fucking car, and taking the car and driving off. And um, then later on, so it was like five, six seconds, maybe 10 seconds tops. And then later on, they have the guy, um, they're asking him to describe the carjacker. And the description of the carjacker takes like 30 or 40 seconds. And so they're like, so the description of you was three times longer than your screen debut. And I was like, well, you know, it's not about length. It's about impact. And clearly I had a lot of impact. So That's but yeah, awesome. Those, they were lovely and nice. That's a great story. Well, we are out of time. Michael, I've learned so much in this interview. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, from our viewers. Thank you for joining us tonight. This has been a fascinating chat. We can't thank oh, you thank enough you. for being here with us. Oh, uh, I hope I didn't elaborate too much, man. Thanks so much for having me. You can never elaborate too much. We love these stories. We love hearing how it was. Uh, you had so many memorable moments. And like I said in the beginning of this show, you, your character, Nicholas, has left an everlasting impact, not only on the show of The Walking Dead, but on, our, on the fans. So your performance was spot on. You were great. And we thank you for that. It was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, guys, I'll be back on the air again tomorrow night. Again, I want to thank uh, Michael Trainer for joining us tonight, our beloved Nicholas who does not blame Nicholas for Noah's death. So Glenn let go. Hashtag Glenn let go. Yep. So think about that. That's a different perspective that we never heard of before. Anyway, guys, till tomorrow night, stay safe and stay walking. <laughs>